baseball fans. It's time to take a trip from coast to coast across Major League Baseball. There it goes, a long drive. If it stays fair, home run. One strike away. Sandy into his windup. Here's the pitch. Swung out and missed a perfect game. Fly ball deep left center. Grissom on the run. Yes, yes, yes. The Atlanta Braves have given you a championship. Listen to this crowd. Braves and baseball talk straight from the diamond. Here's Grant McCauley. It really is a pleasure for me to be here in Atlanta, uh, and I have a very nice task today. I'm here to announce that Major League Baseball has awarded the 2021 All-Star Game to the Atlanta Braves in the city of Atlanta. Hello and welcome to another episode of From the Diamond. I'm Grant McCauley, as always, joining you for our weekly chat about the Braves and the rest of Major League Baseball. Of course, lately, you may have noticed it's been a very Braves-centric podcast. It's also been a very Grant McCauley-centric podcast. Got a lot of stuff going on with From the Diamond, just trying to keep everything moving along and keep up with what's happening with the Atlanta Braves. A very busy week, but got some things in the works, and as we'll see over the next few weeks or months, good things are right around the corner. As far as what's going on for the Braves, it was a very news-making kind of a week as they came home from another successful road trip. Of course, the two games they played against the Washington Nationals did not go anywhere close to what the Braves were hoping for. We'll delve into that on this episode of the podcast, but we've got big-time news because as you heard in the open there, That was the voice of Commissioner Rob Manfred, and the 2021 All-Star Game will be played in Atlanta, so we're going to start with that. Before we get to all the All-Star news, though, I invite you to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Leave a rating and a review if you feel so inclined. Those are always appreciated. And make sure you're following along on Twitter. You can find the show at FromTheDiamond underscore, and I am at Grant McCauley, G-R-A-N-T-M-C-A-U-L-E-Y, and from the diamond.com, where you can find every episode of the show, as well as articles and in-depth features and other things. Also, before I get started on this all-star edition of From the Diamond, I want to make sure you're keeping an eye out for the giveaways I've been doing. This past week, I gave away three Austin Riley Bowman baseball cards. I'd like to congratulate Chris, Cameron, and Lori, the winners of those. Remember, if you see those pop up, just make sure you're following at from the diamond underscore and at Grant McCauley on Twitter, and that'll be the best way to keep up to date on all of the giveaways and the other things that are happening with From the Diamond. So let's get things going. The big news, and it occurred off the field. Major League Baseball awarding the 2021 All-Star Game to Atlanta, so just about two years away now, just over two years away. Of course, they'll be in Cleveland this year. They'll be at Dodger Stadium in 2020, and then 2021 SunTrust Park, or whatever the name of the ballpark is at that time, will be the host stadium for the 2021 MLB Midsummer Classic. The Braves pulled out all the stops with an all-star gala to make this big announcement. Commissioner Rob Manfred was on hand, but so were many Braves legends and Hall of Famers, including Hank Aaron, Phil Necro, Chipper Jones, John Smoltz, and many more. So let's hear from a few of those guys, because when you think about Braves baseball and you think about all-star games, they're pretty synonymous. And one man who's very synonymous with both of those things is Chipper Jones. He played in the last all-star game hosted by the Braves, That, of course, was the game in 2000 at Turner Field, and Chipper was on hand for the big reveal and was very excited to see the Braves getting another All-Star game. I'd like to welcome everybody out today. Uh, What an incredible day for the city of Atlanta. 
you knew once you saw how many important people were on this stage today that this was going to be a pretty big announcement. It's a tremendous honor for us to be able to host this game once more. In 2000, I was one of the chosen lucky few to be able to run out on my home baseball field to be able to represent my team in my league in the National League All-Star Game. You can't imagine what a proud moment that is going to be for the next group of guys, whether it's Freddie Freeman, Ronald Acuna, Mike Soroka, whoever makes the All-Star Game in the next couple years. Now, as I mentioned, SunTrust Park seems likely to have a new name by the time the 2021 game rolls around, thanks to that SunTrust and BB&T merger. We're not going to get into all that here. It's a brand new ballpark, most certainly. That's very attractive to Major League Baseball. The battery, which is built up around SunTrust Park, continues to grow. Commissioner Rob Manfred discussed that new park factor and whether or not that played a big part in awarding the game to Atlanta. Well, we like the idea of being in facilities that we haven't been in before, but, you know, we also... You know, we have some iconic older ballparks that are going to be in L.A. next year. We thought it was important to be there. We hadn't been there in a long time. So it's a factor, but not the deciding one usually. So as you might have guessed, there's a lot of different criteria. Baseball is a game steeped in tradition. So to say that all the newer parks would get all the all-star games would kind of be selling it short because Dodger Stadium is a great ballpark. You've got Wrigley Field. You've got Fenway as well. Those baseball cathedrals, the few that you have left, I think you've got to make time to celebrate those and no better backdrop, I think, for baseball than being able to tap into that rich history and being able to enjoy having all the stars together on one field. Should be a lot of fun each and every summer, regardless of the venue. And I know it's going to be a lot of fun by the time it rolls around into Atlanta in 2021. Hall of Fame right-hander John Smoltz, also no stranger to All-Star Games or the Atlanta Braves. He's a part of the Fox TV broadcast team over the past few years, and he'll be calling the All-Star Game, so that should be fun for him. He's excited to have a chance to see his old team climbing back to the previous levels of success with a great young core and a chance to showcase the Atlanta Braves on a national stage. We got to live in a great era, and not that we ever took it for granted, but now to see it come back and to see the Braves relevant again and the excitement building with all that this place has built, but more importantly, the young talent. And everything I do is national, so national people are talking about the Braves. That's always a great thing, and the opportunity exists for him to be relevant now for the next three to five years, which in these days, you just don't know how long it's going to last. So that All-Star game in just a couple of years could be very well represented by some Braves young stars by the time 2021 gets here. If you think about Ronald Acuna, Ozzy Albies, Mike Soroka, Max Fried, a host of other prospects, and of course, Freddie Freeman figures too in a couple of years, still be an All-Star caliber player. At least that's what he's shown over the course of his career. So it'll be interesting to see what Braves will get to put on that home white uniform and step out onto the field at SunTrust Park and represent Atlanta and the Braves and the National League by the time the All-Star game gets here. So that's the biggest Braves story of the week, and I would say the highlight of the brief two-game series against the Washington Nationals. Let's go ahead and get into that because really nothing went according to plan for the Braves. You flash back to the opener on Tuesday night, Braves had just come off that span of 33 games in 34 days. During that stretch, the Braves went 19-4. and So they're five games over 500. And in the midst of that, you throw in the fact that they had a three-game sweep at the hands of the Dodgers. That almost kind of tilts it to maybe take a little bit of air out of it. But then you look at the overall, and you see all of the winning ball clubs the Braves are playing, 
in all of the series that they were busy winning, including going 6-4 and four on the 10-game road trip that included getting swept in Los Angeles, then going out on their most recent road trip as they handled business and came back home to enjoy that off day. Things just kind of got away from the Braves in Game 1 against Washington. Now let's look at the Nationals. I mean, this is a team that spent an awful lot of money over the winter. I mean, they brought in Patrick Corbin. They spent it a number of other positions. Of course, a couple of former Braves, Kurt Suzuki, behind the plate for him. And Anibal Sanchez, who started in Game 2, which we'll get to in a moment. And there's not a whole lot of highlights in that one. But as you look at the Nationals on paper, and you looked at the National League East on paper, I think everybody expected this to be a four-team race more than likely. Now, what was going to be the dividing line between the clubs like the Phillies and the Nationals and the Mets, who spent an awful lot of money over the offseason, and a team like the Braves that won the division last year but chose to spend its money differently than all of those clubs in terms of making a couple of signings, sticking with a lot of the core that was already in place, and perhaps looking to add as we go through the season and get toward the trade deadline. That's one strategy. Obviously, that's the strategy that the Braves chose, and a lot of people felt like they weren't doing themselves any favors when it came to trying to keep up with the Joneses. No pun intended. The biggest thing about it is, though, that the game is not played on paper. And as we've found out, the Phillies have been, more times than not, a pretty good ball club. They've been sitting in first place for the majority of the season, if not every day of the season after sweeping the Braves right out of the gates to start the year. After all that doom and gloom subsided, the Braves have shown, for the most part, that they are a team that has strengths and a team that does still have some flaws and some areas to work on, but they are a team capable of winning any given night and winning series, as they've been doing a lot of that over the last month, month and a half. Meanwhile, the Washington Nationals, who rolled into town 10 games under 500, have by far the worst bullpen in Major League Baseball. We've talked a lot about the Braves' bullpen, and rightfully so, for the blemishes and some of the shortcomings, some of the injuries, some of the inconsistency, and then obviously some of the guys who have stepped up and begun to carve out roles. Guys like Luke Jackson, Sean Newcomb, Tuki Toussaint, guys that are pitching well for this Braves club. They have helped stabilize that bullpen. The Nationals really haven't had a bunch of guys step up and show what they can do to help stabilize that bullpen. ERA over seven as the series began ran into trouble each of the nights that the Braves got back into the ball game, particularly because of the heroics of Austin Riley, who we'll be talking about in a moment. The Nationals' bullpen, not very good. Starting rotation, though, it's one of those, and I know people hate to hear the phrase, it was one of those tip-your-cap scenarios because Steven Strasburg came out, seven innings, two runs, 11 strikeouts. Meanwhile, after the win in Game 1 in which the Nationals held on and the Braves lost 5-4, to four, nothing went right in Game 2. From Jump Street, nothing was going right. Kevin Gosman roughed up for four runs in the first inning. You thought maybe he could come back out in the second inning, you know, brush some of that aside, give his club some innings, keep him in the ball game, give him an opportunity to at least keep it as close as possible. That was not the case. He didn't retire a batter in the second inning. By the time that frame was done, four more runs charged to Gosman. Eight earned runs in just one inning worth of work. That's not the kind of start that you're looking for, both for Gosman and for the Braves. That's a hole that very seldom are you going to dig out of, and the Braves were unable to dig out of that. The Nationals continued to add. They roughed up Dan Winkler and scoring five more runs. They were up 14 to nothing. As if that wasn't enough, Anibal Sanchez on the mound on the other side is throwing a perfect game into the sixth inning. That goes away courtesy of Ozzy Albies in the sixth, and then the Braves finally cracked the scoreboard with Sanchez out of the game in the seventh, Austin Riley, that man again, seventh home run of the season, grandest of all, a grand slam for Austin Riley. 
He's knocked in 20 runs in his 14 big league games and, again, seven home runs. The guy's been red hot. That's not going to take the sting out of losing a game by 10 runs. But for the Braves, number one, you weren't no hit or perfect gamed, if that's the phraseology for that. In addition, Austin Riley continues to show that he's here, and I believe he is here to stay at this point. Pretty safe to say he has carved out a very important role in the Braves' improved lineup over the last couple of weeks. Austin Riley was really the highlight of the series. He had the two-run homer in Game 1 that got the Braves to within one, and then that grand slam in Game 2. And while that loss was about as bad as bad can get and one that you just want to completely forget about as you turn the page and start a new series, you have to take a moment and step back and look at what Austin Riley has been doing, both in his 14 games in the big leagues and really if you want to track it back over the last month, including his time in AAA. Crunch this stat this morning. 32 games for Austin Riley. The last 32 games, 14 in the big leagues, 18 in the minors. Austin Riley has batted 384 with 20 home runs. 50 runs knocked in, and 32 more runs scored. That's in his last 32 games. And if you're looking for history for Austin Riley, only one other player in baseball history has hit more home runs in his first 14 games than Riley's seven, and that was Trevor Story, who had eight home runs as he began his career in Colorado a few years ago. So Austin Riley continues to impress you each and every night. He has continued to put up really quality at-bats overall, And it's amazing to think about this time a year ago, maybe really flashback a couple of years, a lot of folks were wondering, is Austin Riley going to stick at third base? Is he going to be able to find a position to play? And then a lot of folks were kind of wondering, is his swing going to be one that's going to manifest as anything more than just a power hitter? Is he going to be able to make the adjustments as he climbs the ranks to handle that high-octane heat? Is his swing a little bit too long? Those kinds of things. When I talked to Austin Riley a year ago, Those were questions he had heard and things that he looked to adjust as he began to fine-tune the mechanics of his swing, his stance, and all of the things to make him comfortable. I would say Austin Riley has been very comfortable for a little over a calendar year now. He torched double A. He'd hit well in triple A last year. Unfortunately, a knee injury cost him some playing time, may have even cost him a big league call-up. He didn't let that deter him from coming into spring training, continuing to have worked hard throughout the winter, throwing on that glove, going out in the outfield, doing anything that the Braves needed that would facilitate getting him to the big leagues as well. And as you watch the way this kid goes about his business each and every day, it's just impressive to see that he realizes the opportunity, he sees that opportunity, and he's going to continue working. And at the tender age of 22, he may have just exploded onto the scene before really anybody could have foreseen. Because this home run barrage, the one that he went on, 13 homers in 18 games in the minors, seven more in 14 big league games right after that, I don't think anybody wrote that down, no matter how many homers you thought Austin Riley was going to hit this season. His previous career high was 20 in the minors. Always felt like he was a 30-home run hitter as he matured. This was shocking and in the best possible way. So as he gets himself settled in, the Braves are in a pretty good place. When you look up and down this lineup, they've got one that should be able to put up some runs throughout this summer and hopefully into the fall. All right, turning the page to the Major League Baseball draft, which has been circled on people's calendars, I think, for a while. Not just because you're curious about who the Braves are going to select in the amateur draft, but also the fact that once you get to that date, a couple of free agents, one in particular, will then no longer be attached to draft pick compensation when he chooses to sign. That, of course, would be Craig Kimbrell. Not a lot to report on that front in terms of what the Braves' interest would be and what Kimbrell's interest in joining the Braves or rejoining the Braves, I should say, would be. It's obviously conversations worth having. I'm sure it's conversations that have happened in the Atlanta front office 
And to some extent, I would imagine Dallas Keuchel has been that discussion as well. But if you look at the obvious need for the Braves, I always say you can use more starting pitching. You can never have too much starting pitching or pitching in general. But as you look at the Braves' bullpen, and, and this to circle back around to Craig Kimbrell and point out some obvious things that everybody realizes, if he is ready to go and can ramp it up and can be anywhere close to what Craig Kimbrell has shown that he is throughout his career, you put him at the back of your bullpen, and then you're able to slot everybody else forward. You add depth. This is the same concept of adding Austin Riley to your lineup while also having Josh Donaldson still playing third base. There's not a lot of either-or scenarios when it comes to stacking up your talent to become the kind of club that gets into October and stays in October year after year. The Dodgers have been famous for doing this. The Houston Astros have been doing this. The Chicago Cubs a few years ago, they were doing it. These kind of clubs, they realize the value of talent and depth and having a lot of different options to do some mixing and matching and then just being able to have the kind of firepower that you need whether that's in rotation, in the bullpen, or in the lineup to get the job done or be able to go blow for blow with some of the teams that are built that way. So that's the fairly obvious plus of signing a Craig Kimbrell. He makes your club better. He makes your bullpen better. He brings that stability. And then as you look at Luke Jackson, you look at Sean Newcomb, Tuki Toussaint, guys that are throwing well at the big league level right now, and a few others have thrown better of late. Then you start thinking about getting A.J. Minter back, who talent-wise was the best reliever that you had on paper coming into the season. Numbers-wise, the results were simply not there. Since being demoted to AAA Gwinnett, Minter has made five appearances. He's got six and a third scoreless innings, five hits, two walks, 13 strikeouts. So good to see those trends down in AAA. He'll still have to come back to the big leagues and reestablish himself, but it would appear that A.J. Minter's putting things back on track and I can't imagine he's going to be too long in AAA if the Braves are looking to strengthen their bullpen and they like what they're seeing out of A.J. It's just good for him to maybe have had that mental reset to just go down, worry about pitching, get himself back on track, and then get back to the big leagues and hopefully get back to business. Going all the way back, though, to Craig Kimbrell, putting him in that bullpen no doubt makes any club better. It's the Braves. It's 29 other teams. Any team would be better off having Craig Kimbrell. The question, though, is going to continue to be years and dollars. And how much is he looking for this season? I don't know if he's looking to sign a three- or four-month deal. I don't know if he's looking to sign a deal that will cover three or four months or if he's looking to go ahead and get that big-money contract he was looking for or something that approaches a big-money multi-year payday. I would imagine that's preferable for Craig Kimbrell, and I don't blame him whatsoever because I think he's earned it. But it's going to be interesting to see what kind of teams line up once they no longer have to worry about losing a draft pick in order to sign a free agent player, which I've been on record as saying before, I think it's probably time to discontinue having draft picks and free agent players be tied together because it doesn't get much more apples and oranges to me. All right, speaking of the draft, the Braves are going to have a couple of top picks in this one. They're going to have the number nine pick, which is compensation for not signing right-hander Carter Stewart a season ago. The two sides could simply not get together. There was a medical issue, a difference of opinion on the value of the slot and how much money the Braves were going to offer him. Braves ended up winning that grievance, and now they have the number nine pick, and they will be able to come back at number 21 and make another early round selection. Braves also have $11.5 million in pool money as far as what they'll be looking to spend on this year's draft class. And we'll recap the draft next week once this whole thing is passed and everything's in the books because I don't have time to really go through all of the draft prospects and whatnot this year. It's kind of an overwhelming process, and I really like to leave it up to the experts to do it. But it'll be fascinating to see which direction the Braves go. Looking at the last four years, 
they've chosen to go with a pitcher. Could this be the year the Braves swing it back the other way? And for the first time since they took Braxton Davidson in 2014, might the Braves select a hitter at the top of the draft board or in the number 21 spot? Would they go with a hitter that early? They've gone very pitching heavy, have the Braves the past few seasons, something that has helped them build the wealth of young arms they have in the minor league system. I think it's worth noting Alex Anthopoulos in explaining his draft strategy a year ago, and I'm sure it hasn't changed. Yeah, you're looking for the best available talent, but every club is valuing these players differently. But the one thing that kind of stuck out to me was you're not looking at the major league roster and deciding, okay, what do we not have here? And let's make sure we draft that first thing. Because as history shows, and if you want to go back through on baseball reference and look at draft classes for all 30 teams, you find value all up and down the draft, but you don't necessarily want to just draft only for need with your top picks. It's about the collective talent you get in a given draft class, and there's also gamesmanship involved with having to adhere to the rules of the draft pool and the money which the Braves will have to spend. Finding value in certain places sometimes allows you to spread that talent out a little bit differently, and maybe you're able to sign a player, offer him a little bit more to get him to forego, perhaps going to college things of that nature. Those are all pieces of the puzzle that every team is looking to put together as they craft that particular draft class and grab that young crop of talent. Braves will be looking to do that next week. Again, number nine pick, number 21 pick, a lot of intrigue around those. As you get down through the draft, it's something where you discover the value of these players over the coming years that follow to see exactly what you may have gotten and what these young players grow into. Of course, that's a big part of it. Player development. Braves have done that pretty well, so we'll see what they're able to come up with. As for what's coming up for the Atlanta Braves, it's a continuation of the homestand beginning this weekend, an interleague series against the Detroit Tigers. Let's take a look at the probable pitchers for this one. It all starts on Friday night. It's Mike Fultonevich against Spencer Turnbull. Then on Saturday, Mike Soroka will face Daniel Norris. And on Sunday, Julio Tehran and Matthew Boyd will meet up as the Braves welcome the Tigers to SunTrust Park. Another off day will follow this series. Then the Braves will head out for another six-game road trip. They'll meet the Pittsburgh Pirates for the first time this season, and then they'll swing back down through Miami and face the Marlins, who have been playing much better baseball over the last two, three weeks than the last time the Braves saw them and swept them in Miami on the 10-game road trip a while back. So that's what's going on with the Atlanta Braves, and that's going to do it for this episode of From the Diamond. As always, invite you to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. If you'd be so kind to leave a rating and a review, I'd appreciate it. And you can follow along on Twitter at FromTheDiamond underscore And I am at Grant McCauley, G-R-A-N-T-M-C-A-U-L-E-Y. And, of course, check out FromTheDiamond.com. Every episode of the podcast is there. Also, some articles, features, and other things that I'll be putting up throughout the season. You can find it all at FromTheDiamond.com. So we'll see how the Braves wrap up this homestand. We'll see what they do on the upcoming road trip. And, of course, we'll recap the draft. All that will be coming your way next week on the next episode of From the Diamond. Until then, I'm Grant McCauley. So long, everyone.